Toronto Maple Leafs captain John Tavares has been discharged from the hospital this morning. He has been thoroughly examined and assessed by the neurosurgical team at St. Mike's Hospital and the club's medical director. He was kept overnight for observation, is now resting at home under the care and supervision of team physicians. Tavares will be out indefinitely. That is the latest. That is a statement from the Toronto Maple Leafs Hockey Club as of a couple of hours ago. So it sounds as if the captain is back at home and resting. Let's welcome in Greg Brady. He, of course, is the host of the Playoff Show, which debuted last night right here on 640 Toronto. You can hear Greg and Nick Kiprios after each Leafs playoff game. Game two, of course, set for tomorrow night. And uh, Greg, just first of all, I know you've played, you've watched a lot of hockey as I have. Uh, What was your reaction watching that uh, Tavares uh, incident last night? Yeah, one of the worst things. Um, you know, you're not sure about a hard hit. Um, I remember Zidane Char running Max Pacioretty into the stanchion about 11 years ago and uh, and thinking, you know, that result could have been far, far worse. Hockey's a weird one because we see things that happen, Jeff, and, and we can't believe when we're there, especially when we're there in, in full arenas, that guys get right back up after it. And then sometimes something innocuous will happen and we'll say, where'd he go? He's off to the dressing room. Now he's out a month. Now he's out three months. And this one will be a really, really tough one to read. But, but yeah, in the moment after you see the replay, you know, guys have gotten up in better shape from a collision like that before when the knee makes impact with the forehead, it was a terrible view. And, and I thought by the way, Sportsnet and, and CBC did a great job not showing, not ever uh, replaying the reaction of Tavares when he tried to sit up a little bit and then, fell backwards that was something nobody needed to see once let alone twice but they don't know that's going to happen and i thought it was really respectful how they did it so jeff and with the concussions with um you know with brain injuries uh it is really tough to tell which one this will go and as you know and the audience knows with with social media we're all watching the game in real time together we've all been wrong like we all try and guess and as i was saying like there's some people could say well we won't see him again the rest of the spring and we could see him middle of next week. We just don't know how this recovery period is going to go. Yeah, that was my next question, because teams, as we know, are famously secretive when it comes to injuries these days, particularly during the playoffs. But, uh, you know, considering just the magnitude of this, do you think that the Leafs might be a little more forthcoming here when it comes to Tavares and his health and whether or not we might see him back in the lineup at all during the playoffs? I think two things on that. I, I'm quite sure they will not rule him out for the series. Whether they believe that they won't see him again and won't have him in their lineup is two contingency plans. One is without him, obviously, for tomorrow night's game. Monday, Tuesday, they play three of the next four nights starting tomorrow with the two games in Montreal back-to-back. So that would be you know real ambitious. And, and ambition is usually a good thing. The other factor is, though, I don't think they want to let the Montreal Canadiens know um, that they're not expecting him back. You want the Canadians on their toes and guessing. This is still a series at the end of the day. We can say, and it's true, that the health of John Tavares long-term is is a more important thing than winning this hockey series. But you can want two things in life sometimes. They want to win the hockey series. They don't mind if it's a little bit of a mind game for the Canadians. And, and teams have done this at every sport, at every level, since the beginning of time. Is this guy healthy? Is this guy not? So they'll keep the opposition guessing, uh, especially in a case like this. And I think the Leafs, ever since Shanahan got in there, Jeff, they are, uh, you know, Brian Burke might be a little more blunt and just let something out. And he's like, damn, I let that out. I didn't want anybody to know that. Sometimes that works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. This is a guarded group. 
the Shanahan Dubas group, I can tell you from experience, a very, very guarded group with information. Um, and maybe that's by design. And maybe that think Brendan Shanahan, I watched, covered a lot of teams where he played for Scotty Bowman in Detroit. And Scotty was the master at not letting too much out of the bag in a playoff series. Sure. I wanted to ask you as well about the, the remainder of that game after Tavares was stretchered off, because obviously both teams are in shock when something like that happens. And it's not too often you see both teams' doctors attending to a uh, player. But do you think that it affects, I mean, it has to, right, to Greg, the uh, team that has the injured player a little more because this is a, a teammate, somebody you know, maybe you know their family as well, you know them personally, that uh, it's a little harder to come back when you're a teammate of uh, the, the team that had the injured player? I absolutely think so, Jeff. I think you hit it on the head there. And and they had still nine minutes to play uh, in the period, and they looked rattled after that. I know the fight happened with Felino and Perry. I know the Montreal goal happened soon after that but they needed to get to that dressing room, kind of get their bearings. Look, look, all of us weekend warriors, we've, we've been doing something, playing something, even in the schoolyard. And guess what? A kid will get a bloody nose and you stop. And, and maybe that's it for the game, for that recess or that beer league game or that softball game if you have a bad injury. Um, you know, I, I remember playing baseball in elementary school and, uh, and I was the perpetrator accidentally. I slid into a kid at home plate um and and broke his leg he it's funny he was the he was going to be the track and field champion jeff so i think i got everybody another ribbon or two and that kid recovered <laughs> but it was not by design it was not by intent and i felt terrible about it but that was the end of that game in the first inning pro athletes don't have that luxury they did not have the luxury not to play last night i'll tell you as well this is another anecdote i was at the game when yuri fisher collapsed on the detroit bench this is about i was in a lamaze class that night for my first kid or uh, the night before, and then covering Detroit Nashville the next night, and they decided not to play the game because Yuri Fisher's heart had stopped on the bench after taking a hit. They had a defibrillator, and that's when Don Cherry started. Everybody started. We got to have defibrillators in every arena, no matter what size, no matter what community. That was a big turnaround in terms of getting life-saving devices in there. So it's always a great question. Can you keep playing after an injury like that? I, you know, I don't think they had a choice to keep going, but no doubt they were rattled. And, and no doubt, uh, you know, it, it takes some time to hit home. And it's the one thing, no matter what we do in our jobs, sometimes we have the ability to take a half day or walk away. Those players on either team didn't have that. I don't know how Corey Perry would have slept last night. Like that's a, Corey Perry has been a dirty hockey player. That wasn't a dirty hit, and I can't imagine how he felt. That's an Olympic teammate of his, a World Cup teammate. Um, no way, no how did he ever intend for that to happen to John Tavares. Yeah, I think you could see that, just the uh, look, the raw and honest emotion on Perry's face after it happened. And also, it's worth noting, I think, that Perry and Tavares are uh, fairly close. I mean, they go back, they've got uh, London Knight connections uh, as well. I mean, uh, these are two guys that have known each other and have been friends for some time. Yeah, you, you do what you do on the ice and you leave your friendships behind. And we've seen uh, international teammates fight before. We've seen, you know, the, the, the Canada Cups and the World Cups are notorious uh, for players who play on the same domestic team and, and going at each other and, and giving each other a shot. Eric Lindros and John LeClaire used to be on the same line in Philadelphia, the Legion of Doom line, and they'd battle each other and slash each other when it was Canada uh, USA. The Red Wings had plenty of players that played for a bunch of different countries. And they didn't, you know, Steve Eiserman doesn't want to lose to Brett Hall and Chris Chelios in a Canada USA gold medal game. You'll do anything not to. But yeah, different story last night. And, and Perry had to go on, still had guys going after him a little bit. And, 
And I'm sure it, it, it rattled him like it did the rest of us. The, the empty arena effect, Jeff, I don't think that can be understated, too, because it's just there was that Jake Muzzin had an injury last year in the playoffs against Columbus, and there was that sort of air of silence and, and is he okay? But when everybody stops, when the announcers stop, I mean, Chris Cuthbert's like maybe the best play-by-play on the planet, and you can tell he was searching for words. Yeah, I don't know. I'm of two minds of that because uh, you're absolutely right when you talk about just how quiet that empty arena was for a very long time. But uh, there's also something about a hush coming over 20,000. I mean, if there's a full Scotiabank arena and you got 20,000 people standing there and you've got that same sort of uh, hush, that can have maybe just as big, if not bigger of an impact. But I think the one thing you do lose is, uh, you know, the crowd rallying around when the player is uh, taken off. And I have to say... Out of all of it, it was so good to see at least uh, John be able to give the uh, thumbs up, which I have to believe had to be a shout out to his wife and, and his family just to let, to let him know that I, I'm okay, I'm as, as okay as I can be. Yeah, just to have the wherewithal to do that. And again, you know, as we said at the beginning, at the outset, none of this means we see him next week. None of this means, uh, you know, uh, he's not out until... October or November of next year. Not We, we don't have a clue. Like, mm-hmm. it's so easy, and, and anybody that's ever had, you know, a concussion knows this. You're going to start having good moments, bad moments. What, what are we, about 18 hours now after the injury? It's it's impossible to even guess. And that's the tough thing for the Leafs to, to game plan out is, what do we do without him? And then there's the whole, boy, you know, Leaf fans really hope this would be a long run. And it still could easily be. This was one game out of seven. The Leafs still will have game seven at home. They play at home tomorrow night. We're talking a different story, perhaps, if they lose tomorrow. But at the same time, many teams have come back from 2 nothing. But you'll have to put this behind you. I know he's the captain. A lot of the younger players who played great last night. I don't know what Austin Matthews. I don't know what more he could have done. Even strength, eight shots. Mitch Marner, uh, if anything, those guys, Jeff, might have played too much in the last five minutes. They were dog-tired, you could tell, in the last minute with the goalie pulled. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is what they pay you big bucks for. This is what pressure is all about, and this Mm -hmm. is what responding to adversity is about. So John Tavares wouldn't have it any other way. He, He doesn't want his teammates to roll over and say, well, we can't do it without you. He wants them to do it without him. Yeah, Matthews, Marner, and the rest may have been as much emotionally spent near the end of the game because of what happened to Tavares early on as uh, physically spent. And we were just uh, mentioning a second ago about the uh, reaction or lack thereof uh, because of an empty arena. But one reaction I wanted to ask you about, Greg, is that of Leaf General Manager Kyle Dubas, who immediately left that press box. And I think we've all seen the uh, footage of him uh, running down the stairs, cell phone in hand. And it just really occurred to me that uh, Dubas is... He is just so mature and so wise beyond his uh, years, and he is able to sense a moment and do uh, what is the thing that is needed, the the right thing. And I have to believe, I mean, this is just gut, but if he's not on the phone to Tavares' wife, that was the very next call he was about to make. Yeah, and and that's what you end up doing. That's what a quality leader does, a quality organization does. And you're right, Jeff. Kyle Dubas is very much proof that, Age is, is really just a number when it comes to leadership. I, you know, you grow up and, and you, you see this hierarchy and your teachers are older than you, your parents are older than you, your camp counselors are older than you. Then you get to university, your professors are older than you. But you get into the workplace, Jeff, and you've done this job as I have for a long time. And then you just realize you kind of either have leadership or you don't. Uh, I mean, I, I've worked for people that are natural born leaders. I've worked for quote unquote leaders um, you know, who couldn't find their way out of a plastic bag. It's really frustrating when that happens. And for Kyle Dubas to be doing this and walking in as he did, I mean, he was a junior general manager when he was in his late 20s, 
and you're telling a coach 20 years older what to do. Um, but yeah, he's got this, uh, you know, he, he's got it. There's an it factor to Kyle Dubas and, and his leadership. And, and we've seen many guys obviously leave the NHL rink and, and just find it wasn't for them. That's okay. Wayne Gretzky tried coaching. It wasn't for him. It was just wasn't something he wanted to do. Then there's Shanahan's and Iserman's and Ron Francis's superstars um, that want to do it. There's a Mike Babcock who never came close to playing in the NHL, and he won an awful lot. The, the you know, um, transgressions about discipline and being uh, the greatest person in the room uh, aside. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Kyle Dubas really showed something. I'll give you something else. The Montreal Canadiens, even on their social media account, uh, as much as a quagmire social media can be, came out right away and said, what a terrible accident. We hope John Tavares is okay. You don't always see that because it is the heat of the battle and, and you want to beat the other team and, and you want to give something back to your fan base. Um, they reacted very, very quickly as well. So as much as this is seen as a real blood rivalry and a feud and, and the hitting was hard last night and the sticks will be up in people's faces uh, tomorrow night for game two, um, it's, it's human beings are still human beings at the end of the day. And there was genuine concern on the part of the Canadians for Tavares. I like that. Yeah. And that reaction, I think just speaks to just how well-respected John Tavares is uh, by the entire league and uh, by not only his uh, teammates, but his opponents as well. Greg, good to talk as always. And we'll be listening in tomorrow night for the playoff show right here on 640 Toronto, along with uh, Nick Kiprios immediately following a uh, game two. Again, appreciate this. Awesome. Jeff, have a great holiday weekend. Thanks very much. All right. Appreciate it.